0: Welcome to the podcast, What We Don't Talk About. It is a mental health forum to help you know that you are not alone. Christopher Walton is a published author of the book, Navigating Your Mind, Achieving a Life of Peace, Joy, and Happiness. He is a professional speaker, a professional mental health therapist, the owner of Christopher L. Walton and Associates, and East Idaho Therapy. Christopher and his mental health team are tackling the struggles of our time and coming up with answers you can use right now. Here is your host, Christopher Walton. Welcome to What We Don't Talk About. It is a show hosted by me, Christopher Walton, who is the author of the book, Navigating Your Mind, Achieving a Life of Peace, Joy, and Happiness. And I'm a mental health therapist at KLWA. If you or someone you know is looking for a therapist, who you know needs some help, please give us a call for a free one-hour consultation at 208-403-0135 or at our website, EastIdahoTherapy.com. Today, I'm super excited because I have a friend of mine who's going to be on our show today, and I consider her to be a change maker in the Snake River region. Uh, her name is Vanessa V. We call her V. Young, and welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here.
1: Well, thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here.
0: So I think this will be fun, and tell me, tell me how it goes and what you think. Right. Um, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I think it's hard to, to, to be able to do this. Uh, I think we scheduled for a couple weeks ago, and it didn't really work out too well, and so we're trying it again today. Um, and you were telling me that you work over at Dillard's. That's usually where I see you. I can go over there because my office is over there. So I walk over there, and I have a few minutes. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Uh, it's a lot of fun. I am the polo specialist, and so I oversee <laughs> the entire polo section. So anytime there's new polo product, I'm kind of like a kid in a candy store, open up the box. I'm like, yeah, new presents. Um, but I oversee all of that, and I am essentially, you know, just a consultant helping people find exactly what they need. People look at retail, it's a little differently. They're like, oh, it's retail. I'm like, hey, I love what I do. I love helping people find clothes and helping them feel comfortable in what they wear.
0: How long, how long have you been doing that now?
1: Uh, it'll be two years in January, actually.
0: Oh, is that right? That's been a long time. What yeah. else have you done besides that?
1: Uh, before that, I was the manager of a uh, sports apparel store, Fans. Before that, I spent three and a half years at a coin shop doing their e-commerce and marketing and social media and everything like that and learning about coins and currency and the history of all that. And then before that, I spent four years at Albertsons.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah, in the so I didn't know satellite. about the coins. What were you, what were you, is that here in town?
1: Yeah, it's here in town. It's downtown, actually. Yeah, it's downtown. It's a, a buddy of mine at one point I was looking for a job and I saw him post on Facebook that he needed someone to do his social media and his ebay and all that stuff. And I'm like, Well, I I've dabbled in that and I learn as I go, so it's something I picked up and now I look at my coins and currency a little differently and I look at my silver a little bit differently and my investments and stuff and it helped me in a great way, really.
0: How did what did you get out of that? Is it was it um the history of the coins or is it the market with when the market fell down and everybody's going out buying silver and gold and all that stuff and then they turn around and sell it i don't know how does that work
1: uh for me i i loved learning about the coins I, i love learning in general so if i can learn about something i don't already know that's great so like the history of coins learning about certain shipwrecks that um eventually turned the tide for american history and uh Learning about the different currencies and why we no longer have our one, five, and $10,000 bills and all why
0: that. Why is that? What's um, the Generally,
1: it was just mainly used for bank transfers. And so there was actually one, it was a $10,000 gold certificate. They only made probably a few thousand of them. They were using them for bank transfers, but they were storing them at the post office in DC back in the early 1900s. And there was a fire at the post office. And in order to save them, like one of the clerks or accountants just started throwing them out the window and when they did that everyone you know on the streets like oh $10,000 we're going to be rich literally the day after the government's like yeah i know we're canceling those so it's the only canceled note in US history cuz technically oh. if you ever have a $10,000 bill you can still use it as legal tender because we don't cancel any of our currency like other countries do so
0: so you can still find one of those
1: yeah if you find one or if your family has like a normally 500s and 1000s are generally more common but if someone has like a $500 bill, you could still use it as $500 worth of groceries. I, I didn't to. know that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've seen those mm-hmm. down there at that coin shop or others. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that. Well, thanks for telling me about yeah. that. <laughs> it's no good problem. good you to know. I don't even know you've
1: done, done these things. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me about where you're from.
1: Where... Um, I was born in the Philippines, uh, outside of a naval base in Alangapo, and... My mother met my dad through like a mail order bride kind of thing. He saw her in a catalog. Uh, My adopted father saw her in a catalog and he's like, wow, I really like her. So he started writing her. June of 92, they got married. They moved here to start their own life. And in 1995, they brought me here in the middle of winter. For a person who has absolutely no winter clothes, I almost got frostbite. <laughs> yeah. So, How old were you? I was five. You were five. I was five, and wow. I remember it being very, very cold and my fingers turning purple.
0: <laughs> so you've been in Idaho Falls
1: since. Yeah, I, I grew right? up in Rigby. Yeah, I grew up in Rigby, wow. graduated from there in 08, and moved to Idaho Falls probably eight years ago or so. And so but I've lived in Idaho for 25 years, and I, I love it. That's
0: that's really amazing that, that and I've been here for twenty years and I think that's amazing myself. So. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of fun, especially from the Philippines. What mm-hmm. a that was a big change. Yeah, it had to be a big change
1: going from you know having sixty degrees to be a cold day to going to hey we're going into the negatives and I'm sorry there's <laughs> negatives in temperatures, which I never knew. So right.
0: Yeah, that's that's it's still hard and winter's coming. It's supposed oh, to yeah. snow on Saturday, so <laughs> here we go. I don't think I'm ready for it myself. Uh, never am. Yes. So, well, tell me a little bit about what else you've been doing. I
1: think you used to DJ. Is that right? I do. A yeah. Comedy? On the weekends, I DJ at a local bar here called Hurricanes, and I mainly just play the music, get everyone riled up. So I'll start off with something. Easy or if someone wants to like do a lot of country swing dancing we'll do that and occasionally we'll have theme nights like 80s night is one of our most popular because it's all 80s music and so if someone asked for something like uh, you know the whip nae a few years ago someone asked for that <laughs> and I just kind of looked at him oh when did it come out and they're like oh just like a few months I'm like well if it's not from the 80s we're not playing it tonight. <laughs> So that's one of my favorite nights. But uh, when I don't do that, I actually am at the front door checking IDs and doing security and handling anything that has to uh, deal with females because they don't like the security guards to, you know, manhandle females. And so that's what I do. Wow. I'd like to come down and check that out. We're non-smoking now, so that's actually a big deal for everyone. And once we get our... uh, Uh, our grill open, then we'll be serving food as well, which I looked at my boss. I'm like, look, I get to have food while I'm DJing, right? And they're like, well, we're not going to let you starve. (laughs) I'm like, perfect. That's all I ask. Don't let me starve.
0: And you've been doing that for a while?
1: Uh, About two years. Yeah. I started off just doing security and filling in for my friend every once in a while when he would need a night off. So, but it's a nice little bit of extra money for me. And it helps me, um, between both jobs, my Friends are just like, oh, you must make decent money. I'm like, yeah, you're great. You're right. I do make decent money. <laughs> and I cry while I eat my ramen in a really nice suit.
0: <laughs> well, DJing in Idaho Falls, I'm not sure how much of a club scene you're going to
1: find here. but <laughs> we oh, get a hopefully. fair amount of
0: people. Do you get a lot of people out?
1: Yeah. I mean, on average for us, a slow night is about two to 300 people. That's a slow night. Really? Yeah. That big? Wow. Yeah. Um, Even with
0: COVID going on?
1: And we still get that. We actually had that last weekend. Um, but for us, a busy night like Halloween, I'm DJing Halloween. Last year, we had about 700 people for Halloween. So is everybody masked up and walking in there? And uh, some people are. Some people are masked up. Most people, you know, it's it's Idaho. Most people don't really want to. I know. I so, know. Yeah, we got. Yeah,
0: uh, we won't have to get into the whole COVID thing nah. tonight. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to talk about that. But, but that's uh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I'd I'd like to come down there and check that out. Yeah, please do. We'll have to talk about some things. I I actually ran a bar when I was in college. Okay. At the University of Texas in Arlington. There was an on-campus bar. It was called the uh, Dry Gulch. And uh, the guy that was elected to the position as the chairman of the Dry Gulch, he liked to go in there after hours and drink from the the spigot. And uh, then they fired him, and they put me in there. So I, I became like an entertainment guy. So I was... You know, bringing in different bands from you know Austin, Arlington, uh, Austin, Dallas, and Fort Worth area, and bring them into, to the uh, into the club. Yeah. Okay, that it was a
1: lot of fun. That's cool. I never it, knew that about you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I've had a, kind of an eclectic history <laughs> to be able to get to where I am. Very now. Nice. Yeah. So that that was a lot of good times. Just just good times. I I could go off on that for an hour, but we won't. <laughs> um, well, tell me a little bit more about uh, what it's been like for you as a Filipino person being here in Idaho Falls. And going to Rex Rigby? Rigby. You graduated
1: Rigby? Yeah. High school. Um, so I'm half Filipino, half black. I actually just found out about my biological father earlier this year, about a month and a half ago. So that's a huge thing in my life. And after seeing a picture of him, I mean, there's no doubt I'm his kid. It's exactly where I got my entire build from and like my height, everything. Um, but... Growing up, everyone only thought that I was black, and so it was kind of hard. It was a lot of bullying, especially in the mid '90s. Moving here in '95 to 2000, there was a lot of bullying for me because I never saw any kids that looked like me. And there was a lot of I remember second grade. This girl asked these two third graders to beat me up because she's like, "Yeah, I don't like the color of your skin." Essentially, so. I got beat up, came home with, like, a ripped shirt. I had wood chips in my arms. My face was red from crying, and it was a pretty terrible day. And over the years, I, you know, it made me grow a thick skin because I'm just like, man, you're not going to like me. If you don't like me because of my skin color, it's kind of stupid. So, yeah. uh But over the years, people who actually did take the time to get to know me, and even then in the future, that girl, uh, she came up and she's like, hey, I'm sorry that I did that to you. You know, I was young, the 90s, and... My parents told me that because you were a different skin color than me, I should not like you. So she apologized, and I'm just like, you know, I understand that. Because eventually I had to help her with her math homework in high school. (laughs) So, But it was was definitely different, and for other people, it was different for them. Because I grew up, people look at me now, and they're like, oh, you probably listen to this kind of music, this kind of music. I'm like, in all reality, I would much rather listen to 90s country. Like you'll catch me at home listening Uh, to '90s country jamming out like I used to when I was a kid. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's actually really funny. So, but the the racism is not funny. No, and the racism of uh, being identified. So you're probably only uh, black person in your in your high school. Did you know other other people? Probably Hispanic people at that
1: time. There were a lot of Hispanics, yeah, American people. Growing up, I didn't know that there were any others because the closest African-American student was actually two years older than me. And so I didn't actually meet him until I was a freshman in high school. I'm like, oh, wait. And then occasionally as I grew up in middle school, there would be others that would move in. There were some that moved in uh, from other places. I think there was one they moved here from, I want to say Missouri, when I was in sixth grade. And so I'm like, okay. So it's getting less weird. But growing up in a predominantly white community... You know, I am a product of my environment. So I listen to country. I love to go hunting. And then they look at me, they're like, oh, because then I got racism on the other side to where I'm not black enough. Right. So I'm just like, okay. Am I ever going to be liked or loved for just me? Right. It's right? it's it's kind of hard, especially growing up here as a kid. You're just like, I just want people to like me because I like Pokemon cards and because right. I play video games. Right. Not because I didn't listen to that one artist or I have no clue who that is. And I still get it to this day. They're like, oh, do you know this rapper? I I don't know who they are because I listen to show tunes. <laughs> well, what's, what, uh, one thing I really love
0: about you is that you're just an authentic person. You are what you are. You think you think how you think. And then you, you surround yourself with really authentic people, too. Uh, can I ask you about your dad just a little bit? Is, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. What? How did you find him or did he find you?
1: Um, So he doesn't know about me yet that I know of. My mom uh, invited me out to dinner. We went to D Kitchen because it was the first time I'd been. I'd never had Vietnamese food. So went there, had some pho. And she's like, by the way, I found your father on Facebook because I remember his name and uh, this is him. He has another son. So when when my mom met him, he was married. And he had a kid who was about a year and a half old, and so I have a half brother as well. Wow! And it's uh, it took me a lot to process. I'm just like I just kind of sat there eating my food, like, okay, um, okay. And I looked over the pictures, and I saw uh, pictures of his mom and pictures of him at his son's wedding. And he had married a Filipino previous as well, so you know he likes Filipinos and. I asked her, I'm like, so did he know about me? And she goes, I don't think so, because he um, was transferred to Guam shortly after that they had met, I think within a few months or so. And then after that, he was transferred back home. So if he does know, it's only through possibly any of his friends, if any of his friends found out and they told him. But I don't believe he knows. And so I I sent him a message on Facebook, and he is a little bit older than my mom. And so I'm just waiting for that to get back. And if I get too impatient, then I'll probably go through like ancestry or something and try to get a hold of him that way or message my half brother and be like, hey, I'm your sister. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So is this, is, this has got to be pretty shocking because you've not known your father most of your life.
1: Yeah. I, I, I never knew who year? he was. Um, I knew he was in the Navy. Because my mom asked me, how would you figure that out? I'm like, I've known since I was 11, because we have towels from the USS Constitution. I was born outside the base, and you used to sing for some of the guys on the ship. So I kind of put two and two together when I was 11 that, oh, well, my biological father is probably in the Navy, because I knew that the man who adopted me, he raised me, he is my father, but I knew he wasn't my biological father, you know?
0: So... Were you pretty close to your stepdad?
1: Oh, yeah. I was very, very close to him. I actually have uh, a tattoo of the day he adopted me right above my heart. And then in Tagalog, it says, Mahal kita papa, which means I love you, dad. Awesome. So
0: So he's your adopted dad, so you can just call him dad? And... Yeah,
1: I just call him dad. Awesome. Visit his grave whenever I can, and he's just my dad. It, that's all he ever was to me. He taught me how to ride a bike, how to hunt, how to gut a fish, And I never got to take Hunter Safety because I kind of lost interest in it after my dad passed away, losing him at such a young age. I was like, you know, and I kind of want to now. And then I remember that's an expensive hobby. (laughs) And I already have an expensive hobby, and it's called video games and (laughs) Comic-Con. And I don't know if I need another expensive hobby.
0: (laughs) Well, that yeah, you're probably right. And Comic-Con sounds like a little bit more present, a little bit more fun, and more people. Uh, and you're so social that I think you do fantastic with that. Yeah. Has um, it been hard for you? When, well, let me back up a little bit. Did you, um, how old were you when your dad passed away?
1: I was 10. Oh, you're a
0: little kid.
1: Yeah, he, I came home from school one day and he started complaining of like chest pain. And so I remember being back then, I'm like, oh, bare aspirin can help in the event of a heart attack. I'm like, maybe that's what's happening. So I grabbed two aspirin and a glass of water and my dad dumped the water and threw the aspirin. And I just kind of, for The longest time I just felt so rough about it It was just so hard for me To process everything And uh, Mm. about four months After my dad died My mom had a heart attack So I almost lost her And then four months after that My grandmother passed away In her sleep And I spent a lot of my childhood With my grandmother Because my parents worked two jobs both, Both of them did So I'd come home from school Go to grandma's She'd have a Totino's pizza Waiting for me And basically look at me And go I Love Lucy, Golden Girls, or The Sound of Music Because that's all I ever really wanted to watch I was raised as an old soul So I'm like, alright And if I wanted to watch The Sound of Music I had to make sure that I rewound all those tapes Or else I wouldn't be able to actually watch it So I'd watch something else But it was a rough eight months As a ten year old Because it was about a month before my birthday too So
0: This is a really t- sad, painful time um, And you, how are you doing with getting through that um, 20 years, 30 years later?
1: So after, yeah, after my last relationship, uh, seven years ago, I went essentially just constantly binge drinking. And then after that, probably about six months after that is when I got myself into therapy and I realized, you know, I can't process anything if I'm not talking to anyone about it because I didn't want to talk to my mom. You know, it was, it was hard to talk to her about anything regarding that because it was just, oh, just brush it off, pick it up. You'll be fine. Um, but I needed someone to actually listen. And so after that, each year gets a little better. There are times I'm just like, man, I really miss my dad. There was one time a couple of years ago, I forgot what my dad's voice sounded like. And so I managed to find some old videotapes because uh, my dad was always recording stuff. And I'm like, I listened to one. I'm just like, okay. And I just felt a little bit better, you know, because that's one thing I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget what he sounded no. like. Yeah. So... It, there are days when it's up, there are days when it's down and yeah, it's been as of the 17th, it's been 20 years.
0: Wow. That's, that's a, that's an amazing story that you have had and then you're, you've found your dad, your biological dad just recently and by finding him, what is that like to find him and then have your, the dad you're connected to pass?
1: Oh. Um, that's tough
0: stuff, sad.
1: A little bit of fear. Get Lots of fear because, you know, it's it's one of those, will he accept me? And if he doesn't, then I'm just like, all right, well, then I've just got to pick up and move on. And then I still have no father. But it's one of those, if I don't reach out, I will never get the answers that I want.
0: That's exactly right. So it takes a big risk to be able to push yourself into taking that risk. That- ID on and getting to know him and put, put that out here. And then within ancestry, uh, that's, that's a whole other level because sometimes people get blindsided and I've seen that happen quite a bit where people are like, Oh, I didn't know Mm -hmm. you existed and I've had another family. I've seen people, uh, I know someone right now in my current life who's found that out and they have, uh, really brought that child into their life. They've only known, uh, that child now for, um, about four weeks and this person, the child's 39 years old. Oh, wow. Well. And yeah, that family's just opened up their arms and their adult children have opened up their arms and they've been, been good with it. Although I've seen other side where the other side of the coin where it doesn't go so, so smoothly and it's kind of this big surprise. And so that's really scary. Yeah. It's intimidating that process. Um are you in a relationship right now, or you got support with that? And oh, uh, I have,
1: on? I have my friends. So my best friend Tim, he's we've been friends for seventeen years now, and you know I told him, and he's just like, I showed him the picture even, and he goes, "Dude, that is your dad." I'm like, I know. He's like, and most people that I show the picture to, they their first comment is, "Did you ever dress up as a sailor on Halloween, or were you ever in the navy?" Because we look that much alike. Wow. And so I'm like, no, that's, that's my dad. And there's like, holy cow. And so I have a lot of support. Um, and then I also plan on reaching out to my old choir director because he, uh, recently found his adopted family and he's, you know, in his early fifties, early to mid fifties. And so he's reconnected with them. And so I want his insight and his input as well.
0: Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you have support with all of that. Um, because one thing about you, uh, V, is that you're—I just think you're just the greatest thing, ever. I think that you've always been very kind, very sweet, um, and and I—I I want to talk to you about kind of this next thing. One of the reasons I wanted you to come in today, um, and that is to talk about LGBTQ plus. Um, can we talk about that for a minute? And just of course. Just kind of get yeah. into that. What? When did you? Or how old were you when you started to figure that out?
1: Um, if someone had told me what it was, I would have come out when I was five. Because I, I just, I remember watching Power Rangers going, man, that pink ranger's really cute. <laughs> and just being, you know, being younger, I was like, I always looked at like the male character be like, yeah, they're awesome. But man, that female character is just really cute. But I didn't actually come out till I was 20.
0: Oh, is that right? You're that... And that, but that's pretty common. Yeah, that's pretty common. And back then, you know, this is probably in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So early 2000s, it was prior to uh, President Obama coming out with gay marriage mm-hmm. in 2015. Uh, I want to come back and talk about that in a second. But so, if it's early 2000s, you're still pretty oppressed. Yeah, based on your African American, like, you know, Filipino, black issue girl going to Rigby High. Right. Trying to figure out how to do all of that with the uh, racism and mm-hmm. and um, we haven't talked about Mormonism. I'm not, not sure if you were involved with that. And then you have this on top of that. That's a lot of pressure on top of you.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, I remember when I first told, you know, my once again, my buddy Tim, I told him and he just goes, yeah, I was waiting for you to say it. I'm like, <laughs> OK, cool. And then he goes, so are you And I'm like, no, dude, I'm just gay. I'm not transitioning or anything. He's like, all right. Wonderful you want to go play video games? I'm like, sure. And then a couple days later, I asked him, I'm like, man, do you want to shave my head? Because my long hair no longer felt like me. So I figured if I shave my head, I could just start over. And he just yeah. kind of looked at me and he goes, you have no idea how long I've been waiting for you to ask <laughs> me this. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went over to his house and, uh, you know, we cut off the ponytail, which ended up like when you stretch it out, it ended up being over two feet long. Oh, my goodness. And... Then we just started with the clippers and just started shaving, and it took probably because neither one of us knew what we were doing forty five minutes oh, <laughs> because there was so much hair, so
0: so I bet that was really liberating for
1: you. It was very liberating, but I also did it at the worst possible time of the year because it was January Oh, <laughs> it was beginning of January, and we still hadn't even had like a full winter yet, so it was pretty cold. I wore a lot of hoodies, a lot of hats, but it definitely felt like I was one step closer to being me.
0: Right. Can we can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Because um, in, in my practice history, I've talked to a lot of people for the last 30 years who have had um, massive difficulty coming out and talking to their parents about it, talking to their friends about it, just talking to themselves about it. Um, and so one of the things I've heard over and over and over is people don't really want... Who are, who are just thinking about it, trying to figure it out inside their minds, is whether or not they're exposing that to other people. And they don't really want other people to assume that about them because they're still trying to figure it out themselves. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Um, Before I officially came out, it was, I just told people, because it was more comfortable, I just told them I was bi. And I'm like, yeah, totally. It was... You know, like, yeah, I like guys and I like girls. And it was so much easier to say that than to be like, well, I just like girls only. Because then I knew a few of my female friends would just be like, so did you ever check me out in the locker room? And like, it was something that I knew would affect a lot of people around me. There were actually some classmates that after I did tell them, they're just like, oh, but you're, you were gay? I'm like, well, all I wore was khaki cargo pants and wrestling t-shirts and I put my hair in a ponytail. I mean... For most people, it was obvious, but if you didn't know, man, I did great. (laughs) (laughs) And then when it came to telling my mom, she told me that, you know, I was just using an excuse to not completely live my life. And I'm like, in all reality, me, the excuse was me pretending to be straight, having to lie to her all the time and tell her that, yeah, there was this guy I wanted to ask on a date to the dance, but someone had already asked him, and he was the only guy I could think of. But that wasn't the truth. I just didn't really find any of the guys in my school attractive and I didn't want to do that because being a teenager in high school is already hard enough, being a teenager who is biracial is hard enough mm-hmm. and then being a teenager who is biracial female and now gay a lesbian, that's even worse back in the you know, mid to late 2000s because yeah. I graduated in 08 so yeah.
0: yeah, this had to be really tough as far as feeling rather lonely and isolated and that space at that time
1: it it was it was difficult it man i've never really thought about how hard it was until probably a couple years ago when uh i reconnected with my niece and she goes yeah i'm i'm gay too and i'm like oh all right well did not see that coming and so helping her process her stuff and having her helping her process, you know, her feelings and everything, and she has it a little bit easier because she has more uh, internet to help her process things, more social media. There's more people about it who are open. Whereas yeah. me back then, I'm like, well, I know Ellen's gay, I know Rosie's gay.
0: How else do I go about this? <laughs> right? Who else do you know in your circle of people? In Rigby, Idaho, where, where there's so many LDS people, yeah, how, how did that work out for you at that time, biracial, bisexual, I guess, or homosexual at that point, lesbian.
1: And at that time, when I came out in 2010, it was, I'd already moved into town. I'd already moved into Idaho Falls, and most of the people I hadn't seen in years, in a couple years. And so now when they see me, they see me with the short hair and I, I, I look at them. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, how's it going there? You know? <laughs> uh, cause I, I was a member of the church for a while and I'm like, Oh, how's it going? Bishop Teakin. And they just look at me like, I know the face and the voice, <laughs> but the hair throws me off completely. And I had a classmate do that to me too. I hadn't seen him since high school. And I looked at him, Hey Chris. And he just goes, d- just stops and stares at me. No, I know you. It. Vanessa. I'm like, yeah. And so I tell him and he's like, Oh yeah, you came out. Right. And, most of the students in my school are actually pretty forward about it. There are some that I can tell, um, especially when I went to my 10-year reunion. There are some that were uncomfortable with it, and I can tell. And there were others that were just like, you know, it's not my business, but I still support you. And I'm like, all right, cool.
0: And So do you think that people have been prejudiced against you because of that?
1: Um, yeah, there were some people that I was really close friends with. That they won't talk to me anymore because of it. And so, uh, one of them, I remember being like Facebook friends with her and we would chat all the time and we were in band together and it was a lot of fun to be together and we would talk about English, history, books, school life, in all gen in general. And then after I came out publicly, I can no longer friend her on Facebook. I can still see her, but I can no longer friend her on Facebook, um, but there's a lot of my other friends that are just like, yeah, we talk to her all the time. And I'm just one of those people that I don't get to talk to her, even though we we're pretty close.
0: It's it's a sad thing in my mind um, for people to be as uh, judgmental yeah. and fear-based around things that really, in my belief, don't matter. Like skin color doesn't matter, in mm-hmm. my belief. And also uh, gender preferences don't matter. You know, whatever people decide to be, that's going to be what they are. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to being afraid of it, and I, I wish that people who had that bias would take the time just to sit down and talk to people, and find out that people are just people. Yeah, we all bleed red. You I'm, know, I'm still, just the just yeah, I I still the same person. I still play
1: clarinet. I still love listening to old orchestra pieces, and I still love watching Disney movies.
0: Right, right. I think one thing I've learned a long time ago is that a lot when when straight people meet someone that is gay and they're homophobic, is the first thing they think about is
1: what. Do you know what that is? Uh most likely probably well, do you look at me that way? Have you ever looked at me that way? And you know what they think
0: first? That's that's probably second. Oh, okay. The first thing they think about is how do they have sex? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? That's right. That's probably the first. That's probably the first one. That's that the first thing across. they think about. But <laughs> what's
0: so funny about that is is a straight is if two straight people meet each other. They're mm-hmm. kind of thinking about everything else. They think about their clothes or handbag or yeah. you know, their haircut or whatever or their eyes or whatever. That's that's what they're thinking about. But I don't know why homophobic people think about. Well, how do these people have sex? It's <laughs> such a bizarre thing. <laughs> I don't understand that. You know
1: what? That's that's actually true because when I meet someone who for the first time especially and it's even worse at the bar drunk people and homophobia don't mix and they're just like well I I can treat you better than any girl you've ever been with no you probably couldn't (laughs) but okay I'll let you think that mister (laughs) now drink your water and get in your taxi
0: right 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 yeah, that's that's really true. I we could get we can go off on talk about <laughs> yeah. that sometime. But, but that's really funny how a lot of a lot of men will, will come across mm-hmm. a, as that they that they just see this as a sexual issue that somehow gay people have not had good sex in their life, thus they decided to change camps and yeah and go the other way. Um but that's really not the issue. No. Talk like, about that. Like
1: for me it was it was just I was never attracted to men. Like if someone had told me if I was probably five years old in this day and age with all the social media and all the access to information that we have now, what a lesbian was, and, you know, I really would have come out when I was five because it totally explains how I felt as a kid. And I didn't meet my first lesbian until I was 19. I'm like, oh, well, let me rephrase that. I didn't meet my first lesbian that I actually knew was a lesbian until I was 19. Wow. And... Because growing up in Rigby, it wasn't until I started spending more time here in Idaho Falls and meeting different groups of people outside of my normal school social circle that I'm just like, oh, wow, this is is new. And I'm still learning. I have a friend who's transitioning, and so I'm learning about that. That same friend is pansexual. Her girlfriend is pansexual. And so I just learn different things every day about the community that I'm in, and I just go... I really wish I had more information as a kid, yeah,
0: yeah, and there's so much information nowadays uh around gender, gender identity mm-hmm. um issues, which is different than uh, sexuality, sexual preferences. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Can we talk about yeah, that for a course. bit what What does that mean to be pansexual versus uh gay or lesbian no. or uh
1: so pansexual? The way she describes it, she calls herself a hybrid because she's, you know, transitioning. She hasn't gone completely through the change yet. And she calls herself a wonderful, beautiful hybrid. And for her, pansexual is just she just loves people regardless of their gender, regardless of their preferences, regardless of their identity. She just loves people. And if she falls for someone who is a trans female or another trans male, then she'll just fall for them. She just she's very gender fluid about it. And
0: I think it's, it's confusing for people who are straight mm-hmm. and they get caught up in why would you be attracted to someone who would, is not of the opposite sex? Because most straight people are attracted to um, uh, genital, mm-hmm. esen, esen, essentially comes down to genitals. Yeah. Whereas pansexual people are really attracted to personality. Exactly. So it's not necessarily about what what type of parts that a person has, but whether or not they're a good person, whether or not they find that they can have an emotional relationship with.
1: Yeah and for her She's told me She's like The last thing I think about Is their parts But if I see You know A a guy across the room And he has a really nice smile Well then I hope He likes me too Right And if not Then you know She moves on And she's like Oh well now There's this girl I like too And and she's very open Her and her girlfriend Are absolutely very open about it And I love her She actually does a lot For the trans community And she I want to say It was probably Last year Actually spoke um, In front of A few doctors and like in this little uh, seminar about being trans and growing up because people look at her and some people still call her by her dead name, but she works on motorcycles and she's probably one of the coolest (laughs) people I know. She works on motorcycles, is covered in tattoos and loves Doctor Who. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Dead name. Yeah. Tell us what dead name is. Uh,
1: Dead name in the trans community, which I recently just learned, because I try to learn as much as I can, and I'm very supportive of her, Mm -hmm. is the name that she was born with. And so that's not the name she goes by anymore. Right. So when people see her and they haven't seen her in a while, but they know that she's transitioning and they still call her bro dude or call her by her dead name, it's very offensive and hurtful to her. And so whenever I see her, and there are times I... I know myself. I've, I've slipped up a couple times when I talk about her. And I'm like, oh, him. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. It's her.
0: It's it's hard to make that adjustment, I mm-hmm. think, for a lot of people. Because when we're, we've been socialized to see things in pretty black and white with he and she. Mm-hmm. And it's hard mm-hmm. to be able to break up those pronouns. Um, I, I have a really good friend of mine. And uh, she has a... a Daughter who used to be her son, mm-hmm. and after nearly 40 years of uh, her being on the planet, it's still hard for me because the way I knew this person when yeah. they were uh, a boy, uh, she was a boy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to it just seem sitting it, it here just, talking yeah, about it right exactly. now because, in my, my natural mind, is the automatic of how I was socialized to believe as a kid, in addition to how, how we were socialized to address that person.
2: Exactly, And then
0: as he became she and adjusting those pronouns has been really tough mm-hmm. for me. And I'm an outside person, but it's been really tough for the parents of her, especially as uh, she has grown up and grown away and moved out and moved you know, beyond and professional back east, doing some amazing stuff. Uh, found a really good community that's been very loving and accepting of her. But for the parents have really struggled mm-hmm. uh, more for the dad than the mom. Uh, the dad has really, really struggled with that because he would play baseball, football, basketball, mm-hmm. you know, take kid fishing and do all this stuff. But now that transition is taking place. Uh, hormone therapy has, you know, really taken hold and because that's been going on for a couple of years. Um, that's been very difficult for him to be the dad to be able to get adjusted to a daughter as opposed to a son. So these are complex situations. Yeah. Um, and and how, what are your, what's your advice to tell parents or people who don't really quite understand?
1: Take the time to listen. Like We're willing to tell our story, and we'll be patient with you as long as you're willing to listen. And if you forget, just be like, hey, look, I'm sorry, I'm getting used to it. Because my friend is always very open and honest about that. She has her own Instagram about where she talks about her journey with her therapy. And she's very open as long as you don't come off as... You're intentionally trying to be hurtful and spiteful. You know, there's some people. Oh well, I know you're transitioning, but I mean, must be nice still having those parts, right? She's still deciding on whether or right. not she wants to get rid of you know her uh, her biological biological genitalia, and it's it sometimes just comes off like that. And so she just kind of goes, "Well, if you can't accept me, or at least be understanding that this is how I this is who I am and how I am, just." Please don't talk about it.
0: Yeah, and I, I was uh, just doing some uh, research prior to doing our talk today, and um, the National um, Coming Out Day was on October 11th. Mm-hmm. Did what was there celebrations here in town for uh, that?
1: A lot of it uh, is on Facebook. Um, there are I'm actually part of about three or four uh, social media groups where LGBTQ you know, people can just get together and just celebrate their coming out. My friend, uh, down in Utah recently came out as gender fluid. She loves her husband and she's married. She's married with two kids. Loves her husband dearly, mm-hmm. but she absolutely loves women. And she's like, you know, I uh, or not gender fluid. I can't remember. What, she calls herself homo flexible. That's what it is. Homo flexible. Homo flexible. I love it. She's she loves her husband, but she definitely loves women even more. But she's like, I love my husband so much, I really do.
0: What is the difference between homo flexible and bisexual?
1: I, I think that's just her term. Okay. I think it's just more fun for her. <laughs> I mean, she does roller derby too. So. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, she does roller derby. It's her, it's her fun term, and her, she's very open about it with her kids. Not completely open because there is certain things she doesn't want them to know yet at a, you know at their young age because they're um, like nine and seven or nine and six. But she is very open. She's like, well, mommy likes girls, you know. But she still loves daddy But daddy's probably the only guy she'll ever love But mommy still You know, loves girls as well And her two kids are very understanding And uh, her youngest one uh, Bless her heart Her youngest one absolutely adores me She'll cuddle up with me uh, on the couch whenever I come over And there was one day She asked, she goes Why why do people not like uh, Vanessa Because she likes girls And you know, her mom sat her down and talked about it to her And she goes well, I don't think that's fair. Just because she likes girls doesn't mean you can't like her. She still likes video games, right? And I'm like, man. <laughs> I'm looking at her. I'm like, you're such a sweet kid. It's <laughs> it's literally that simple because kids right. do understand. And you don't have to go into too much detail. It's just love.
0: Yeah, kids haven't been raised in bias. You know, yeah. those little kids have not been raised in bias that somehow or another this is right or wrong. Whereas a lot of people have been raised in bias that things were very black and white or just a few different genders. But over the past couple of years, I read a study recently. There's over 200 genders, then, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder about how, I wonder about that sometimes. And I think this is where, um, e- even in the LGBTQ uh, plus community, I've heard is mm-hmm. that, um, and and probably a lot of other people too, is they get frustrated with that mm-hmm. because it's hard to know exactly what that means, mm-hmm. um, and and whether or not it's it's kind of showboating a little bit you know, trying to be a separatist to a certain degree or is it, what is your, what is your view about that? Having what's like number 152.
1: Yeah. What what does that mean? It's, it's different because even growing up here, I was raised a certain way and uh, it's a very closed community to where I didn't learn a lot about that. And so I'm still learning so when someone, you know, is like, oh, I come out as queer, I'm like, oh, well, what's queer? So then I spend hours online, like Sam Smith, one of my favorite artists, yeah, went yeah. to his concert, absolutely yeah. love his music. And I can't remember what, his, I can't remember if he still goes but I think it's They and Them now. But their music is amazing. I still listen to them. And when they came out as queer, I'm like, oh, okay, well. I need to do some research because I have no clue what queer is, even though I'm probably part of the community and I should learn a little bit more because it's not spoken of around here.
0: Right. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: Not it's, as much. and that's one thing I don't like about 2020 is that we didn't get to have our actual pride parade to actually see all the people that I usually see and just to see all the love that's around there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I get to learn the most is when I just ask, you know, have a genuine open conversation be like, Hey, I am literally curious. And it has nothing to do with sex.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. It has nothing to do with parts. It has to do with connection mm-hmm. and love and acceptance of, of a person, who they are and where they're at. It's kind of like me- meeting someone from a foreign country and sitting down and talking to them. Why, why are you in the United States? Mm-hmm. And you're not necessarily afraid of all of this stuff. People have, are, get so fear-based and, and, and reactive to what, what they don't know and it really just, like you were saying, just it comes down to a, a simple conversation. So tell me what it means to be number 152.
1: Exactly, because I to being... don't know what number 152 is yet. <laughs> there are so many <laughs> gender identities out there that I haven't even explored, and there are times I just take the time, I read another article about a celebrity or someone, and I'm just like, all right, well, let's figure out and answer you know any questions I might possibly have, and if I need to, I'll find a community and ask within the community, because it's... It's kind of just easier to do than just sitting there and be like, well, I don't know that gender identity. I automatically hate it.
0: Right, right, right. People are always afraid of what they don't know anything about. Yeah. Uh, and so the same with this thing is, is, is how to take the risk and just being honest and, and sitting down with someone and doing basically some investigative reporting um, and getting to know someone just based on who they are, where they're at, without judgment and shame, mm-hmm. and it's really not about you. I hate to break the news, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not. It's, <laughs> it's not. not
0: about you. You know what? What people are thinking inside their mind, and what they're what they're thinking about in, in is sexually, and what they're attracted to has nothing to do with the person they're meeting. Mm-hmm. So just because you have that m- mindset is oh, this is a gay person, i got to think about how they're having sex, is to be able to say to yourself, ah, uh, that's really an irrational thought, <laughs> yeah. and i got to kick that stinky thinking out, and let me find out more about you, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other. Yeah, is that exactly. And I mean, it's,
1: that's... It's the same thing. I do it with everything in my life, not just with gender identities, but I do it... I have a coworker who's a Jehovah's Witness, and so I asked him, I went out to lunch with him one day, I'm like, I'd like to ask you a few questions, and that's all it took. Was just to understand. Yeah, that so, doesn't mean
0: you're going to get converted.
1: No, it but doesn't it, mean. I just know a little bit more about something I never really actually knew about.
0: Right, and that's right. all
1: it is. It's just knowledge, and it just helps us understand each other a little bit more, and that's all we want.
0: And you can have a connection with him. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. So this these are interesting interesting times, and I and I, what I'm seeing in um, practice is younger people trying to identify. What they are, how they are, what they feel, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's been more confusing. Mm-hmm. So one of my thoughts, and I want to just bounce this off you and tell me what your what your thoughts are about
2: All
0: it, right. is it's kind of like with you when you were five years old, is that you you once you started figuring out that you were lesbian and that mm-hmm. you were attracted to girls, and and it made much, so much more sense. It and, and I would consider that to be a biological
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, a homosexuality, just like a person would be biologically straight. Yeah. What I see with the people who have been in traumatic relationships with parents, uh, maybe a disconnected dad, um, really kind of angry, uh, not necessarily there, or um, disconnected in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. usually aggression uh, and and not necessarily connective. Um, An over-enabling mom Mm -hmm. uh, that isn't necessarily setting very good boundaries or limits. And then kids that have access to the Internet, uh, at a very young age, mm-hmm. and discovering pornography very young, sometimes, not always. yeah, not always, uh, but sometimes accessing porn or accessing curiosity sites,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, which we don't have to get into right here because I don't want to inform people. <laughs> um, but but curiosity sites and really having the opportunity to chat mm-hmm. with people uh, on a variety of different levels and and asking a lot of those questions. And so I think there's been some reactivity with that with um, identifying, um, not necessary. maybe not identifying, maybe just questioning themselves as to whether or not they fit somewhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I've seen that a lot. So it's kind of a, a reactionary. Yeah. So they're reactive. They don't have a connection to the mom to a connection to dad. don't really feel very safe or close to people. They don't really have maybe one friend, maybe two friends. Maybe they're kind of figuring out how to navigate junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. And then there's this idea that's put out there it's like, you know what? I like that. yeah. I like that. And that feels like love to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is my belief about it is, and help me out if you think I'm wrong or you okay. want to talk about it. But people want, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to have some level of connection. Mm-hmm. And when we don't feel like we're getting connection from our mom or our dad, we feel like that, um, I'm thinking about a, a young person who's uh, born, was born female, um, but is uh, transitioning mm-hmm. and would like to transition doesn't really like her parts that much because they've been offensive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Parts have been offensive because people over-identify and overlook, like uh, uh, having breasts. Mm-hmm. For a lot of women, women hate breasts because they, they're attractive to men. They're attractive to women. Mm-hmm. Everything comes down to sexuality. But for a child, they're not thinking about that at all. They're no. they're just like, I get these things off me.
2: Yeah, you
0: know. And so in that process of thinking about that, of getting these things off me, it's really put this person into a position of, you know, maybe I am transgender. Maybe I really want to become. Uh, a boy, and, and get this out of me. So mm-hmm. it's kind of this idea of getting this out
1: of me. Okay. What are your thoughts about that? Um, for me, it's it almost seems like there was something a little too negative, like impl- you know, influencing them. You know, it's, we, we shouldn't hate ourselves, in a way, but I mean, when it comes to trans, as my friend has said, it's not that she necessarily hated herself, she just didn't feel like herself. Right. And she had experienced love in many different ways through many different peoples, you know, before her transit before she began her transitioning process. But it just didn't feel like herself. But to essentially hate oneself, it's it's a little bit different for me. Because I mean, people have asked me even, Are you going to transition because you grew up, you know, and I'm I'm like, you know, as much back pain as I have from having breasts. I don't find them to be a nuisance. You know, they're just there. They're mine. They're part of me. They're part of who I am. And they're like, well, you dress more masculine. Just because I dress masculine doesn't mean I want to get rid of my breasts. Right, right. And so it's... And having more information, having access to that information and feeling like you're disgusting because you have those and you need to change, it's... I don't know.
0: It's sad. It's sad. It is.
1: It's... it's, I mean, if you feel like you can love yourself better that way, because I have heard of... Not personally, but I have heard stories of people who have, you know, gone through the uh, surgery and not necessarily still love themselves, but they feel a little bit better, but they still feel like something's missing.
0: Yeah. I, I have heard that, and the studies will indicate that. Not not 100% of the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying that every transsexual person comes from the example oh, I gave. Not. I'm not talking about that.
1: Yeah. It's... And it's... When we go searching for love somewhere else, sometimes we end up harming ourselves a little bit more than we intended and end up harming ourselves in a way that it's not exactly what we were going for. We just wanted to be loved and accepted and, and fit into a place, but sometimes we end up isolating ourselves even more.
0: Right, right. And that is so hard and it's tough. And how to help people in those lonely spots mm-hmm. of disconnection And not having a belief that there's someone out there that is in their, uh, family system Mm -hmm. or even in their, uh, friendship base Mm -hmm. that is going to just love them for them. Yeah. Uh, because, and that's, that's where I see a lot of people are are stretching Mm -hmm. and trying to find a new place to go. Uh, and it's easy to go online and find whatever you want to find and and Mm -hmm. be whatever that, that is and go to those chat rooms and, and talk to people about it. Um. But at the end of the day, do you feel more fulfilled? Or do you feel more connected? Do you feel more loved? Do you feel more peace of mind?
2: Yeah.
0: Because uh, I think people are looking for peace and looking for happiness and joy. But in the state of what I call emotional starvation, mm-hmm. the world is in emotional starvation now more than ever, in my belief. Oh, of course. And so I think that's one of the reasons why mental health has become such a big issue uh, across, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean my practice has exploded since covid and it's just been going crazy because people are isolated they're lonely and they're sad um but but it really is that starvation of wanting to be loved and wanting to have connection and mm-hmm. have a place to belong what do you think
1: um yeah covid especially has definitely i mean i i i always want to be loved and sorry i'm getting a little stuffy the change in seasons the more i yeah. talk everything else but um I've always wanted to be loved and just, you know, have someone or even just a group of someone, you know, just accept me for who I am. And that's something we all, whether or not we see it, we all work on it, you know, because sometimes we're just like, well, I don't know if anyone's going to love me if I continually do this, you know. But during COVID, it was especially harder being isolated from the people that I see every day. And it's like texting can only do so much. So I'm not going to lie, Animal Crossing actually saved me mentally during COVID, because it gave me a new outlet of people to reach out to and be like, I still have a way of interacting with you constantly and it's something just so calming. Something as easy as building a house and chopping down trees helped get me through because it was some form of social interaction. Yeah. And it's like being outside when people are like, well, no, you can't go outside, you know. And if you do, you have to be within six feet of people. Whereas in the game I could, you know, hug characters and that made me feel like I was hugging my friends and that was a way to get through this whole lockdown and everything we've been through.
0: Getting through the pandemic. Yeah. The, but on, back on kind of the, um, and, and I don't think this really has anything to do with, with gender. I mm-hmm. think this has to, everything to do with being human. Mm-hmm. And that is the, um, hope that we have connection and love by the people that we want to be loved by, especially when we're kids. Yes. Um, and that is going to be our mom and our dad primarily. Mm-hmm. or siblings, maybe grandparents, uh, something like that. Uh, and, and when kids don't get that very much is that it's easy to be reactive and looking for that love in other areas. Um, and again, I don't see this as a gender issue. Mm-hmm. I see this as a human issue. Yeah, But I think sometimes that when teenagers especially, because I've worked with thousands of teenagers in my practice history, and, and a lot of times kids are just wanting to have someone hear them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... So I think that is um makes up for a lot of that
1: it, it sadness does. and loss. Yeah. To have a little to have a community, to have a place where you feel like someone actually cares about you. You know, especially if you don't have that great of a home life. For me, I delved into uh online video games and I created a lot of friendships there. I'm still friends with a few of them. I And even as I grew up playing games and meeting people from all over the world and feeling safe there because at home I didn't feel like I got that, especially after my dad passed away. It was just hard. I didn't feel like I got that. And it doesn't discredit anything necessarily that my parents did because they all parents try their best. I know they do because my mother definitely tried her best after everything to help me uh, to raise me, provide everything for me. But I just didn't feel love. And so I found it elsewhere, whether it's, you know, chat rooms, whether it's after growing up and finding, you know, who I am and figuring out myself and finding love in a community that I know accepts me because my mother didn't accept it when I first came out. Oh, that was a huge fight. So yeah, after finding about that, that, after finding that huge, you know, that community and finding someone to love you, it just, it makes everything seem a little bit more peaceful.
0: So here in the community, uh, uh, I recently even talked to someone who's an adult, um, and and they're looking for what is available here in Idaho Falls
2: mm-hmm.
0: or the Snake River Plain, Pocatello yeah. to, you know, Montana. What what uh, what supports are there in the community, and what would you suggest to be able to help people out who are trying to figure this stuff out or already figured it out and need to have someone to talk to, have a community and have mm-hmm. a connection, and also to be able to help PFLAG people, the parents and family yeah. of uh, gay lesbian people. Because uh, is there a P flag here
1: um, that's around? I don't know. I know there's a shop downtown, and I think it's called Healing Hands or Helping Hands or something like that. And they're very active in uh, the Idaho Falls uh, Pride community. They're always a big supporter during uh, Pride, and even just reaching out to on Facebook to the Idaho Falls Pride Council is you know a good way to just find resources and there's a few Facebook groups that I'm in that are all very accepting and they're just very, it's a nice way to get information and to feel like you're not alone because there's a few that I'm in that I see these people like, hey, thanks for accepting me into this group and thanks for letting me have a safe space to talk about who I am when I don't have that safe space at home right in my community and yeah. so it's just uh reaching out to us on Facebook there's uh, what's the name Pride, of the Facebook uh there's one it's 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 mainly for women it's called girl you better work and it's basically just a bunch of women and we just provide you know a lot of uplifting experiences for us there's the Idaho Falls Proud Cam, uh Pride uh Council that they'll you know you can they can set you up with a lot of resources that way as well um, there's some that I am in that are nationwide because me, myself, I identify as a little bit more butch. And so when I joined this group, it was, uh, sponsored by Hope Butch, which is a clothing company. I joined that group and I just went, oh, holy cow, there's a whole other <laughs> community just in this, you know, section yeah. of being a lesbian that I was like, yeah. okay. And there's a lot of questions that each woman has about you know there's some women that i see on there they're like yeah i'm 64 and i've been out for the last 40 years and i'm like man i want to be as cool as you (laughs) (laughs) and it's just nice to have those you know uh, communities to talk to
0: yeah yeah what uh, what i think is great about it is you you come across people who are more secure Mm -hmm. inside themselves because they finally have accepted themselves they found their crew, they found their their family, sometimes it's going to be a family away from their family, yeah. their biological family, because biological families sometimes really struggle with these things. Um, but but that's that's where people really can find their peace, joy, and their happiness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that is to be able to get into the relationships with other people who are like-minded.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, So I think that's such an important part of all of this, because you don't have to be alone. This is my number one thing that I really want to get across today, is that people, whether they're be, uh, uh, in, in In uh, whether they be straight or whether they be in in the scope of LGBTQ+, is that there is a place for everybody.
2: There is. And
0: that everybody is lovable. Everybody is lovable. And that there is a way to fulfill that loneliness inside of yourself, and you don't have to do it all by yourself. All too often, people feel like they have to do it by themselves because people who, like the uh, parents that I know that have uh, their transitioning uh, son, is going uh, to become now a daughter, Mm-hmm. going to get that straight in my <laughs> head because I'm still stuck with the yeah. way of thinking about it. Uh, but there's still a place for for the, those parents, and I think P flag is a big a, a big support with that mm-hmm. here in our community. And and there's a P flag in almost every, uh, at least every city that I've lived in.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: it's important to reach out and to take a risk and and getting to know other parents who are going through that. And you don't have to do it by yourself.
1: Exactly. And um, one of my friends, she's. Uh, she just recently posted on Facebook about how her son finally decided to come out. You know, he's a high schooler. He's I think he's a junior or senior. And he finally decided to come out and her whole family is behind him, you know, one hundred percent. I'm like, you know, I mean, that's amazing.
0: That's amazing. Because you
1: don't see that often. Because, yeah. you know, he has she has three kids, two boys and a girl, and her her son just came out, and so it's it's definitely been an eye-opening. She's like, Don't ever bully my kid. You know, she's she's like he is still my son, regardless of who he loves. And if you ever bully my kid, then you're going to have to talk to me.
0: Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah. I, I wish we could have more of those outcomes. And the reason why, was when I when I first got into psychiatry back in the 90s, is that we would have a lot of kids come in impatient because they were suicidal. Yeah. Constantly. When I was in Utah, that was, in Texas it was pretty bad, but when I got to Utah it was worse. Yeah. Uh, primary children's. We had a lot of kids who came into the uh, hospital based on uh, homosexuality and the LDS church and the complexities of that at that time. Um, And then there was this beautiful thing that happened that I really appreciate a lot. And that is when the Supreme Court passed gay marriage in the United States, Uh, President Obama came down and said, you know, this is this is really a good thing. And finally, America is growing up, something Mm -hmm. like that. I can't remember the exact quote, but there was something like that. And guess what? You know, over the past five years, since 2015 and 2020, significantly less. Uh, in my practice, anyway, mm-hmm. significantly less people trying to commit suicide over this issue because they realize that there's a place for them to go. They realize the community. I think there's more of a realization that the community is open to it mm-hmm. and finding their tribe. There's a tribe out there that can accept you for who you are and where you're at, without the uh, without the bias, mm-hmm. without the bias that was there before that was really based about shame um, and uh, and worthlessness. And so I think there's a, a change with that. I think we have a long way to go. There's no question about that. Oh, yeah. We have a long way to go to be able to help with with that. Um, and I and I want you to know I I really support this a lot. I have a lot of folks who come through, and it's it's um um it's just changed. I, I as as far as a mental health therapist of of and and being in my job for the first 25 years, there was such shame around this issue,
2: mm-hmm.
0: such shame around it, and now we have more openness, and so I have appreciation for that because I see less people trying to kill themselves. Yeah, I do, and yeah. and so that's that's been significant for me.
1: It, it's wonderful. I remember when it did get passed, and I just kind of I sat there crying in my room. I'm just like, wow, because I remember uh, when Obama first got elected, and then he uh, repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, because I wanted to join the Marine Corps. You know, after and I'm, I always knew something felt off, and I was like, man. I don't know if I'll be able to join because I don't know if I'll be able to be true to myself. And there are yeah. some women who were in the service. I actually just saw one. She um, kept getting transferred. She was in the army and she kept getting transferred before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. She kept getting transferred from uh, base to base, from station to station because there would always be girls there who would, you know, fall for her. And it's like, look, we just, we have to move you. And, and it became that. And then... And then finally, when it did get repealed and she was there, you know, she unfortunately didn't get to finish out her career because she wanted to go career. And, you know, she got injured, of course. She got wounded and she didn't get to finish out her career. But she's like, I got bumped around so much because of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And so I... Uh, I haven't fully reached out to her yet because I do want to learn more about that because as someone myself who did want to join and because of that, it caused me a lot of distress. Yeah. And then after it did get repealed, I was already so distressed and so depressed that I'm just like, I don't even think I can do it anymore. And that kind of shot a lot of my aspirations down because I didn't know if I'd still be able to, even though if it was still newly repealed, I didn't know how it was still going to be to try to join the military as a lesbian. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And there's still a lot of fear behind it for me as a person. And then, you know, 2015 comes along, gay marriage is legal. I'm just like, man, I can finally be able to legally call someone my wife. This yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. And so I remember some of my uh, classmates I'd see on Facebook. I'm just like, and they're like, oh, they passed gay marriage. This is you know, This is the end. How can they call it marriage? I'm like, it's just love. That's man, exactly that's right. all it is. It's love. Exactly we want right. to be able to bicker about our taxes just like you do, okay? That's exactly
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes down to love, having having honest connection, honest love with someone you really trust. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I really wish that we could get rid of the old dialogue that this is all comes down to genitals and sex because that's really not the issue.
1: And no, it's not. It's literally when you meet, and most of the lesbians I've met, most of the gay men that I've met, bisexuals, whatever, most of them that I meet, the first thing I think about, I don't think about their genitals. I think, man, they have really nice hair. <laughs> or wow, look at that smile.
2: Right. And then it's right.
1: you know, and even with gay men, I'm like, man, I wish I could wear jeans like that. <laughs> and it's I don't think about anything like that.
0: Right, right, right. So we're I think the community, the society is growing up a little bit at a time and I think mm. we're coming to maturity. And I, I really hope that we in your lifetime, I'm older than you are <laughs> a little bit. My mom almost thirty years, uh, but but the thing is, is that I I hope in that your in your lifetime and my my later lifetime that we can just accept people for who they are, where they're at, as opposed to if it's a statement of I love you if you are what I want you are what mm-hmm. I want you to be, as opposed to the idea the concept, and this is what I really want to get across here for a moment is I just accept you for who you are. For you, I I love you for you and parents love your kids for them, not if they mm-hmm. love your parent as a parent. Uh, love your kids because they're just great kids. They're just great kids. They're just trying to figure it out, and they may have some questions. They're trying to figure that part out, but they're really no different. They're still kids. They still need to be loved. And if they're adults, if they if you have kids or an adult, um, and you're still trying to figure that out, it's just accept them for him for them, and sit down like Vanessa said, talk to them. Talk to them, and it's okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's okay. So loving your kids for them and loving your parents for them, too. It goes the other way Mm -hmm. because it's easy to have, well, reverse bias. Well, you don't like me, so I'm not going to like you.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, And that's hard, too, on on the kids' side and and looking up. But try and love your parents for them because they were raised in a different culture and a different environment, and they need to get educated, and they're not quite there yet. So hopefully...
1: We have the resources for it now, too. We do. We we have so many more resources than when I was a kid. It's Even when talking about my niece, my mom told me, I told her, "Like my niece got married. She goes, oh, what's her husband's name? I'm like, well, (laughs) her wife's (laughs) name is this. She's like, oh. And so I showed her the wedding photo, and there's the two of them in dresses on the back of a Harley, and it's wonderful. And she goes, so who's the husband? Yeah, no. No? No, no. It doesn't not, have to come down to that. No, not that. They're, they're both wives. That's how <laughs> that's how they see themselves, you know? Each one is afraid to kill the spider. So, and I, I just sat there at that lunch, and I just educated my mom a little bit. I'm like, so th- this is how it is for them. This is how they see each other. Right. And it, it was just nice to have a little bit of, because my mom and my mother's, t- mine and my mother's t- uh, relationship has always been tumultuous. But we've gotten better, and it was, of course, just creating that dialogue. And I... Did not give my mom the same amount of respect that I wanted from her. You know, and I realized that, you know, and like you said, to be understanding with them because she did grow up in a different time. Yes. And so I told her, like, I understand you grew up in a different time and you understand that I grew up in a different time as well. And also America did not turn me gay. Right, right. Because that was always one of our (laughs) biggest arguments is that America made me gay. And if I stayed in the Philippines, I wouldn't be gay. And I'm like, well, yeah. your brother's gay, so that argument is invalid. Right. So my right. uncle is gay. I have, like, my cousins who are gay as well. So I'm like, we can move on from this because it wasn't where I lived that, you know, no, made me gay.
0: I-, I think of any place that you could live on the planet, Rigby, Idaho, definitely <laughs> didn't make you gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Mom, I'm sorry. I-, I hate to break the news. but If you ever listen to this... <laughs> I think if anything, it was going to be, they're going to make you something else. They're going to make you straight. They're going to make you Mormon and try to make you white. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I guess they failed at all those three things. Luckily, they did because I think you're an amazing group of oh, human beings. thank you. Thank you. So I appreciate you coming on our show today. I hope this was fun for you.
1: It was. very yeah, eye-opening for was me good. as well.
0: It's fun. Well, um, just real quick, uh, if, if you know someone who's looking for mental health treatment, be sure to contact contact us. Let's see, I'll say that again because I cut it out. Um, if you are looking, if you or someone you know is looking for an expert mental, I've been doing this too long. Okay, Alex, cut that out. <laughs> okay, if you or someone you know is looking for an expert in mental health treatment, be sure to contact us at 208 403 0135 or go to eastidahotherapy.com for a free one hour consultation with one of our professional staff. And I will say that if you are one if you were one of the first five callers to our number, I will give you a signed copy of my book, Navigating Your Mind, Achieving a Life of Peace, Joy, and Happiness. And that's a $25 gift. There you go. So thank you so much. Oh, you know what? Vanessa, before I get going here, I've got to ask you these questions, and this will get edited in later, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, what was the most embarrassing thing that happened to you? Or let's see. Gosh, I'm having a hard time here. <laughs> what was the most... Hmm, hmm what was the most embarrassing thing that happened to you or that you did in high school?
1: Oh, man. I think probably the most embarrassing for me is constantly accidentally walking into the men's room. And (laughs) I say constantly because it just became second nature to walk into the room, but there'd be times I just wouldn't pay attention. I'd walk in, see your nose. Nope, not my bathroom. Okay, got to go out now. Thankfully, no one is in there, or else that would be very terrifying for me. I've... in. At least my junior year, I at least walked into the men's room probably six times. Just Is that right? I wouldn't pay attention. I just wouldn't read the sign. I'd look at it quickly, and there were no doors. It would just be open. Right, be So open. I could run out, and so I'd run in. Urinals, nope, okay, got to go. <laughs> it was. I've done it way more than I probably should have.
0: Have you done it as an adult?
1: And, oh, man, as an adult? I've never done that, thankfully. I have to remember now. <laughs> Hold on. Nope. Okay. Never no? walked Never walked into a men's bathroom. I, I actually stop and take the time to read now because I was always in a rush in high school. Right. And so now I actually take the time to read. I'm like, all right, making sure. Gotcha. <laughs> I have turned down the wrong hallway, and I'm like, am I in the... Why do I only see a men's restroom? Like, And they're like, oh, women's is that way. Oh, perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that was my biggest thing. I, I, I had one of those when I was a junior in high school. I was on a date with a girl, and we went over to... Uh, Pizza Hut And uh, I ended up I It was just a packed restaurant I needed to go number two I had to get up Go right now And I just dodged for it Anyway, I go into the stall And I'm just kind of Doing my business in there. my buddies come in And say, hey, are you in here? And I, you know Hey, Chris, are you in here? And I'm like, yeah I'll be out in a minute Give me a second and Everybody starts laughing So all my buddies went out In the full restaurant And said, you know When this guy comes out Of the girl's bathroom I want you to all stand up And give him a round of applause <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened. It was really oh, embarrassing. Oh man. That was the most embarrassing moment of my di- my life. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks, V. You're awesome. <laughs> thanks for answering that question. We'll stick that somewhere in the middle. And um, yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for Thanks
1: for having out. me, Chris. It's been a great time. It really has. Okay,
0: thanks. We'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> later.